Ciao! And welcome to the Frank Dot World Podcast. The podcast for Australian tween girls. Like me! Filled with amazing talent and awesome interviews. We're perfect for listening to in the car, on the way home from school, and wherever else life takes you together. I'm Francesca. I'm Brianna. And we're here to start your next conversation. So join us as we explore all things tweens love in one shiny podcast. Today's guest, Emily Rodder, is undoubtedly one of Australia's most awarded, most prolific and most beloved authors. Having written over a hundred books throughout her career to date, her works include picture books and young adult novels, including the award-winning Rowan books and the outstandingly successful Del Toro Quest fantasy series. Emily has won the Children's Book Council of Australia Book of the Year Award a record six times, has received the John King Medal for Outstanding Achievement in the Creation of Literature, and just last year was awarded a Companion of the Order of Australia. Emily, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Mum and I have just finished your latest novel, Eliza Vander's Button Box. What was your inspiration for this? Oh, actually, the inspiration was actually my own button box. I have a button box of my own, not probably not as beautiful as Eliza Vander's, but it was my grandmother's button box. And uh, it's got all the buttons from my grandmother and her mother and my mother and me and a whole lot of people. And so it's a multicolored. And I always, well, for one thing, I've always used a button box to entertain children because they always like sorting, as I did when I was a child. And in fact, even now I enjoy sorting. And I was just sitting playing with the buttons and looking at different ones. And I thought... It really feels as though they're talking to each other. Yes. It really feels as though it's magic in this box. I often think those things. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, on this occasion, I sort of went ahead and thought, if you did have a magic button box, who would have it? How would they use it? What would they use it for? And Eliza Vander's button box just, just fell into place after that. What a beautiful way to find inspiration. Now, you initially had a career in editing and publishing, working for Angus and Robinson before you started writing. Did that career help you identify a gap in the market for young adult fiction or did it provide you with inspiration to begin with? Um, I think it would be probably true to say that I was very aware of children's books, of course, Mm -hmm. because I was working with them as well as with general books, but I also had children of my own. I had a seven-year-old and a two-year-old at the time and I think I'd have to say it was more them in a way that were my inspiration simply because my daughter who was seven was reading the books that I had loved as a child by Mm -hmm. then and I suddenly sort of remembered how wonderful it was to write stories and of course I was working on other people's stories I thought Mm -hmm. why not well I was telling my daughter stories sure and then there was this one that I thought was pretty good so so I wrote it down. What was yeah. the name of that one? That's called Something Special. It was my first published book. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. Yeah. And Well, speaking of books with more longevity in them, I uh, just found my old copy of Rowan of Wren prior to this oh. interview, and I'd written Brianna Lewington grade four in it, so it must be a good 25 years old now. It is, yeah, so, yes. Um, in fact, they did a, a sort of anniversary compilation of all five books Oh, really? One. Wow. Yes, and that was, yes, uh, 25 years, I think. Yeah. Wow. So how do you feel having now 
contributed to generations of Australian readers. <laughs> like an ancient manuscript. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but your books are still as relevant today. So how, how does that oh, feel? It must, must bring joy. Well, yes, it does. It actually brings, it does make me feel quite tearful sometimes when I'm sort of maybe signing books or something and they're in the line of kids who are, you know, the same age as Francesca. Yes. I've got these big, tall people with these battered <laughs> copies of Del Toro yes. Quest or Rana Frid, oh, Pigs Might Fly or one of these old ones sort of saying, oh, this really meant a lot to me when I was at school, you know, or when I was going through some operation or to know that you've actually given people that kind of pleasure, the pleasure you remember from when you were a child and you read something you really liked, you know, it's good, yeah. It is, and, you know, um, Rowan of Wren and then Rowan of the Traveller, I go straight back to primary school, sitting in that library. Um, <laughs> so it evokes wonderful memories. Oh, that's great. Lovely to hear that. <laughs> you write under different names with Emily Rodder actually being your grandma's name. Why did you choose that? Oh, well, I, I, I wanted to choose another name because I was working in publishing and a lot of people knew me. They, you know, a lot of people knew my name and it just didn't seem right to publish under my own name because people might treat the book perhaps more favourably if, if they knew it was me. So I decided, or the publisher and I decided to choose a pseudonym and my grandmother's name was just one I'd always liked. It was her name before she was married, actually, and it was her mother's name while she was married. So the, 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 oh, wow. I'm the third Emily Rodder in the family. Wow, what a beautiful legacy. Yes. And I, I just like the name. I've always found the name interesting. And did they encourage your writing? Oh, I'm afraid my granny had died by the time okay. my first book was published. Sure. Um, but... I'm sure they would have done. I don't know. So maybe some of the uh, Del Toro quests and things like that, my, my grandmother would probably have said, dear, I don't know how you think of these awful things, <laughs> these terrible monsters. She would have preferred, um, say, Eliza Vander's button box, I think. And you've mentioned that in high school you lost a lot of confidence and had self-doubt about writing. How did you get it back? Uh, well... I suppose the simplest thing to say is I, I got older yes. and grew up. Mm -hmm. But I think the, the real thing was that I, I had some children of my own. And as I said before, seeing them get into books made me remember how much I had loved writing as well as reading when I was that age. And I think sometimes, you know, teenagers, you get a feeling that, oh, there are so many great books in the world, say. Absolutely. You're reading them by then. You're reading these wonderful. And you think, what am I talking about? I could never do that. So I didn't get it back for, you know, a long time because really I gave up writing stories for myself when I was in late high school mm -hmm. and I didn't start again till I was in my 30s. So there was a huge gap, you know, where I... Really, and the trouble was I really did feel I was losing part of myself by, because writing had always been, writing stories or telling them had always been quite important to me. And so it wasn't until Kate, my daughter, asked me to tell her some stories because mm -hmm. she was reading by then, but she, she liked to be, tell me stories, she said. I guess I was reading to her little brother. So she, that was something sure. interesting. So I started doing that. And as I said, I, I found 
one of the stories I thought had quite a lot of potential. So I worked on it and wrote it down. And she read it first and it's still in print and it's still got that a little dedication at the front saying to Kate who read it first. How beautiful. She must be so lucky and so thankful for that. Well, she's she I'm very grateful to her because it was she said she really liked it and everything and encouraged me to yeah, send it off. So I did and that's what happened. Yeah, <laughs> she's got two children of her own now, so Really? And so how many yeah. grandchildren do you have Only all up? Two 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 lovely. Okay. Oh, yeah. that's wonderful. And what advice do you have for young writers? Well, I suppose my main piece of advice should be never give up like I did because I wasted all these years where I could have been having the fun of writing even if I wasn't published. The second thing is to keep reading because reading is the key to being a good writer, I think. Not that you copy what anyone else says or writes but you absorb storytelling methods while you're reading other people's books. The other thing is just write what you love to read yourself Mm -hmm. and don't worry about what other people say, not for a long time. Don't worry, for example, about uh, whether you win prizes or not Mm -hmm. or whether you uh, win competitions. And sometimes people get really sad and and cast down because they're not top, you know. Sure. In English that year or something like that, I've had letters from people like that. And I tell you, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what anyone thinks. What you're doing is writing as if no one else is ever going to read what you write, just for yourself. That's okay. what I do. <laughs> so then um, publicity is a nice bonus on top of that. You've already got yeah, the joy. that's right. And it's very rare to be published when you're very, very young. It mm. does happen, of course, but it's very rare. And sometimes people... You know, because everyone says this is such a great story, they send it to a publisher, the publisher says no, and then you cast down and think, oh, I can't be a writer at all. But that's not true. Just keep doing it. Keep trying. That is beautiful advice. And so along with many other awards, you won the Dromkeen Medal for Outstanding Achievement in the Creation of Australian Children's and Young Adult Literature. What did that mean to you? Well, at the time, it was really the... A very, very exciting and uh, actually quite, I felt quite honoured really. And I'm not actually that good at receiving praise. Okay. It sort of tends to um, make me feel shy. Okay. Um, you'd think. After all, you know, <laughs> many, uh, many awards. My advanced years would be used <laughs> No, 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 editing, not the advanced I'm... years, just the advanced <laughs> awards. <It's... laughs> it was, it was a great, great honour and um uh, and, you know, I, I won an Order Australia Award last year too. Oh, congratulations. And that was a great, a great honour as well. Those kinds of awards. Of course, all awards are great to get. And yes. the Children's Book of the Year, all that, terrific. It's wonderful. The Kids' Choice Awards that I've received have actually given me just as much of a thrill because it means that it's not just critics and adults who like the books, but the kids yes. like them too. And that's actually, you know, I find that a huge compliment. So, yeah. That's wonderful. What do you find hardest about writing? I think everybody gets to knotty places, you know, little knots in the plot that aren't working, but I actually don't find those troublesome. I find it challenging and I, I like, I go for a walk or I 
go to a different place and try to think it through. As a matter of fact, my if we're talking about the actual process of writing, my most challenging thing is keeping books short enough <laughs> because sure. I get really involved in the world and the characters and I just living there, I'm just living with them. So I just want to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, and so what I've discovered, the best thing for me to do is not try to keep it short. Bearing in mind, I'm writing basically for children. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to write great long times. I mean, the Harry Potter books are huge. Yes. And they sort of broke the mould in a way. But nevertheless, a lot of kids don't like to pick up a book that's too big mm-hmm. as if they're not great readers to start with. And my whole aim really is to get to kids of all reading levels, like the great readers and the people who don't think reading's much fun. I, I want to get to them as well. So I always feel I have to keep the books relatively short so they won't look too daunting. And I do find that difficult. So what I do is I just write the book as long as it takes. Yes. And then I cut it. Is that painful? There. Sounds and painful. I find that is actually <laughs> the best thing. It's like polishing a gem. It, it comes down and you find you're cutting out little phrases that you've popped in because you're working here on the computer and, you know, it's easy to do. Yes, uh, sure. But sometimes you don't need all those phrases and all those adjectives. And sometimes they're just one too many descriptions, you know? Yep. So I think that's probably my, my biggest challenge as far as the writing process is concerned. Once the book is finished, I find that, you know, all the post-production yes. stuff, I find that, you know, the marketing, the sales, the proof checking, I mean, it has to be done. Yes. But that's my least favourite thing about <laughs> being a writer. <laughs> Uh, it's understandable. I think sometimes writing is a very solo pursuit and then yeah. having it become this very big entity with multiple people, I can see why that would be a challenge. Yeah, yeah, it is. And so what are you working on at the moment? Well, I can't talk about it much because what I've found is that if I talk too much about a book, a work in progress, uh-huh. it sort of rubs the magic off. Okay. Um, but it is a um, a high fantasy Rowan of Rin or, or mm-hmm. Three Doors or Del Toro Quest type high fantasy. And uh, it's it's actually a trilogy which might end up in one book or might be three. <laughs> yep. But I'm, I'm, I'm writing them all before I show anybody. Wow. So okay. It's actually quite unusual. That's wonderful. don't do that, but I am doing that this time. We'll look forward to seeing it when it comes out then. The things I love about your books are that they're not – too long but they're not too short so because I'm not like the best reader if I'm like reading a big book I sort of like lose concentration and I two minutes later I'm like playing with my hair or I'm doing something well, look, else actually I don't think that's because you're you know not such a great reader I think a lot of people are like that and actually that's why it's part of the uh, I think it's part of the art of writing for children that you can stop yourself kind of going on and on and on and on you know, oh, yes. I think sometimes it's self-indulgent to do that, and uh, and I don't think you should you should never apologise for your reading tastes. No, especially someone who loves <laughs> Eliza Vander has obviously got excellent excellent taste. I must say, I think 
when you've hit the nail perfectly on the head with books is we were saying we read one chapter a night, one chapter. And when you've got Francesca begging to go on, please just one more chapter. Can we just read the next one? That's when you know. When it was at the end of the book, I'm just like, yeah. please, I want to know what happens. Oh, I'm very <laughs> glad. That's what I was hoping. That's what's good about stories, isn't it? Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. What happens next? What happens next? Can you tell us a little bit more about your average day? Well, um, a very average day would be I get up quite early in the morning and I have a shower and get dressed and rush up to my local coffee shop, which opens at 6.30, and then I can get an early coffee and then I come back and then everything being equal, you know, as long as there aren't sort of bizarre things happening in the house or whatever, I work. I work every day from that time of the morning till around lunchtime, a sort of late lunchtime. And then after that, I tend to just do things around the house or read or see friends or, you know, have hair appointments or whatever mm-hmm. I have to do. That is the best kind of day for me because whereas I used to work at night, you know, a long time ago, uh, when I had a full-time job, I had to work at mm-hmm. night. It was the only time I had. I, I now find I get too tired at night and uh, so I tend to leave the afternoons and nights alone. However, if I'm finishing a book, like you were just saying Can't <laughs> about stop. when you get to the end of what you're saying, please, I want to know what happens at the end. <laughs> well, in a way, when I'm writing, that's how that is. You know, I'm sort of wanting to get on with it. And so then I will work at the, in the afternoon and at night and things. But that is a normal day for me and I don't differentiate between weekends and and weekdays or anything like that. So you draw a lot from global folklore. What's one of your most inspiring places in the world to visit or that you'd like to visit? Um, A lot of the folklore has come from reading rather than travelling, of course. But going to England was, was pretty special for me because I grew up in an era where England... A lot of the books we read were English mm-hmm. and a lot of the uh, the sort of fairy stories always seemed to, to me to be set in England, even if they actually weren't. They sure. were really, you know, in Europe. So that was that was important. Seeing a bluebell wood for the first time and seeing, you know, how it really looked. Yep. But also going to Japan, which I did, you oh, know, okay. a few times. Oh, my gosh. There were very... A very, uh, I mean, very amazing sights in Japan. I found beautiful gardens, just with trees and with moss underneath them. Things like that. Very tranquil. That was, yeah, and that sense of 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 very old, the, the sense of of being. Um, I always used to think the Japanese men and women that I was dealing with are how amazing to sort of feel that weight of that culture Mm. you know but of course in Australia like when I was growing up I grew up with a lot of bush around me and and May Gibbs books with the bad Banksia men and Snugglepot yeah I mean they were very inspirational I really believed it in fact I still get the shudders when I look at old Banksias (laughs) (laughs) have you ever started writing a book and then stopped without finishing as a matter of fact, I have. It's interesting. No one's ever asked me that before, I don't think. <laughs> I have, yes. One, I 
I just didn't think, I don't know if this is going to work. And besides, I had this other idea at the time that was pushing at me. So I, I sort of went on with that and I left the other one behind. It was, um, it was, sort, of, it was sort of set in outer space. <laughs> really? And, and having thought about it, I might have a look and see. Well, bring it back. It was, about, it was about some people who, or people who, sort of in the future. Okay. And they, and they travel around. Wow, okay. I suppose it was a little bit like instead of going from island to island, they went from planet to planet. Okay. Ooh, that sounds interesting. Oh, good. Well, <laughs> I'll look back Dust at Dust it, it off. <laughs> uh, now, where do you feel books sit in this increasingly digital world? Oh, well, I don't know. I would like to think that books, stories written in prose, mm-hmm. will always have a place. Whether they'll always be in, in a book with covers like this, yes, I don't know. Or whether only very special books will be like that mm-hmm. and everything else will be on a device. But I do believe that books in the sense of the stories books tell have such an important place in our mental development, I hope I can explain this well enough for mm. you. Whereas if you see a film or play a video game, you are following someone else's imagination to a very large extent and you're losing yourself in that. And I actually don't knock any of that. I love films myself, loves movies. But when you're reading, you, it's just you and the author, you and the word and the author is talking directly to you and you are interpreting what the author says yourself with your own experience, your own brain, your own abilities. So in a sense, that story is always different. For everyone who reads it, it's a little bit different because sure. everyone has a slightly different imagination and a slightly different way of looking at the world and has had different experiences. So that's one reason why. And I think the other thing is that because books can take you inside someone's head and tell you how they're thinking and feeling, mm-hmm. whereas films can't really do that nearly as, as well. well. They have to demonstrate all, all the time what a character's like. They, they don't want a character standing there saying, oh, my, this is what I'm like. Yes. Yet a book can tell you. And so it's easier to learn how to stand in someone else's shoes when you're reading a book. And I think that is such an important thing for the human race to know that I'm hoping that that kind of storytelling will always be important. Uh, I think, you know, the trouble is that reading takes a skill. You've got to learn to read. Yes, absolutely. Nobody has to teach you to stare at a screen. (laughs) So that's why it's important for there to be lots of writers producing stories, one to suit everyone absolutely we all have different tastes you said that very eloquently the the best i come up with is that i like the smell of books that's as far (laughs) as i get so you did a much better job of explaining that so thank you what is your favorite meal my favorite meal you mean in the daytime anytime oh anytime well my favorite meal is um if i was going to have my favorite dinner it would be steak 
and salad because I just love that. that. We are oh, having that tonight, aren't we? <laughs> oh, are you? <laughs> yes. Isn't that amazing? Well, <laughs> yes. But I also, I absolutely, I really love late breakfasts. Mm. I don't like breakfast early, early. I have to make myself eat. Sure. I don't usually have breakfast till later. But I do love breakfasts when they're late, you know, brunchy sort of breakfasts. And if I could, I would eat pancakes and bacon and all sorts of things. <laughs> oh, I think there's something very indulgent about being able to make it late, especially if you know, oh, you've yes. had the career and yes. you've had the and, children. It's... And someone else makes it, of course. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's much better. It's always better if someone else. <laughs> absolutely. So what are you reading at the moment? Um, I'm reading a sequel. Now, what's the name? Uh, he, the author's name is Richard Osman. Okay. And the book um, is The Man Who Died Twice. Uh, it's, a, it's a, of course, a book for adults, but it's um, the sequel or the second book about the same group of characters. The first book was called The Thursday Murder Club. And it's okay. about a group of people in a, effectively an old people's, not an old people's home, but a sort of, a, a sort of settlement, a community mm-hmm. of old people some of whom have very amazing talents and part lives behind them, and they start investigating cold crimes. Very witty. Okay, I'll have to give that um, one a try. It sounds great. Yeah, yeah, get the first one first. Okay. You'll find it's been a huge – friend told me about it. It's been a huge bestseller all over the world. All right, thank you. I appreciate it. Now, we always end every interview of Frank's Fast Five. I ask the questions and you say the first thing that pops into your head. Ready? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. Word games or tapestry? Ooh, word games. Champagne or coffee? <gasps> That's the one I couldn't Ooh. do. Well, coffee, I guess. It's the one I couldn't do without. <laughs> Reading or watching TV? Reading. City lights or country lanes? Country lanes. Popsicle pink or moody blue? The pink. <laughs> good choice. That was Francesca's preference as well. And mum's moody blue without a coffee. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> well, Emily, thank you so much for joining us today. We really, really appreciate you taking the time. It was lovely to meet you both. And uh, thank you for your questions, which were very interesting. <laughs> it's appreciated we try to make them interesting <laughs> yeah they were and Emily we look forward to reading your new books when they come out and in the meantime we have all your wonderful other tomes to enjoy lovely thank you very much you have been listening to the frank.world podcast where we're all about educating and empowering tweens like me To learn more or get involved, please go to www.frank.world. Bye!